I used to do lots of things. Welcome everyone to episode 33 of the Reckless Musecast. As you can see, I'm alone today for the first time. Uh, Joe is dead. He was celebrating his Mexican heritage with Cinco de Mayo too hard and perished in the festivities. So I am taking over the reins here. Uh, or he's fired, one of those. Um, so I'll be alone today. This will probably be a quicker episode. And we're going to talk about something that's very important to me and to this show, which is uh, truth and free speech and the dissemination of information and who gets to control it. So uh, as if you pay attention to kind of day-to-day politics, you may have heard of, you may have seen a ministry of truth in the news a bunch recently. Uh, and if your school, whether public or private, was worth its salt, you at least had some exposure to the novel, 1984. Um, you either read it or you were given some lessons on it because it's one of those novels that time and again uh, comes up in our present discourse, uh, in, in the discourse, and uh, sometimes is used incorrectly and sometimes is used very correctly. This is one of the latter times where uh, it is very on point. Sorry, I can't be annoying. It is very on point and uh, will uh, show that uh, it is one of those kind of evergreen novels and is a reason that art is important and why we made this podcast because art sometimes in this form, uh, in this, this time in the form of a novel, uh, really kind of gets to the heart of what the Biden administration has dubbed the uh, Disinformation Governance Board, which many critics, mostly on the right, but some on the left also, have dubbed the Ministry of Truth. Some quick background on what the Ministry of Truth is, and maybe a refresher on 1984 because you haven't read it or watched a YouTube video on it since uh, high school. But uh, when people bring up 1984, usually they are doing so in response to two things. Uh, one, the first is usually omnipresent surveillance. In the novel, uh, there are omnipresent screens all over this uh, dystopian world that takes place. The, the protagonist lives in what is dubbed Airstrip One, which is uh, London. In the, but London is no more, it's Airstrip One. And it is part of Oceania, which is a continent that spans uh, much of modern day, or all of modern day UK, United States, North America, and I can't remember exactly the map. But it's one of the big three power players in this uh, dystopian world that George Orwell created in the late 40s. I forget when the novel was published. I think like 47 or 48. <clears throat> so uh, that that's one. So when the UK came out, with all the CCTV uh, monitors or cameras, I should say, uh, all over London and I think lots of the UK or at least the major cities, 
made direct and you know coincidentally it was the exact city uh direct reference to 1984 and throughout time um it comes up uh, time and again usually more often though more often with the second um the second uh, area which is uh, the manipulation of speech and uh history to fit a narrative so changing speech um changing words whether that's uh what they call in the novel new speak or uh wrong think you know thinking the wrong thing even if that thing was totally appropriate a couple of years ago um so um <clears throat> for example and 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 if you don't agree i should say and we saw a lot of this during the great awakening a time period that Joe and I bring up a lot, which was approximately two years ago. You know, it started with the George Floyd murder and um, all the craziness that ensued after that. But uh, an example in the book would be Oceania has always been at war with Eurasia until in the book, Oceania makes peace with Eurasia, and now they are always at war with East Asia. And it's not enough that, well, an alliance changed, that happens all the time armies and countries go to war with each other or, you know that that's okay it's that they have always been at war with east asia or they've always been at war with eurasia um, and if you think that oceania was not always allied with east asia then you're committing wrong thing which is a crime punishable by torture and potentially death in, in this world um so uh why uh, they're so well, Ingsoc, which is this government, it's a portmanteau for uh, English socialism, a lot of portmanteaus in this world, uh, for, for English socialism. There's really just one governing party. They are the most extreme form of authoritarianism and totalitarianism that you can, that you can get, literally controlling your, your thoughts. Uh, so that's good that we don't have that. Instead, we have two ruling parties here, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans, of course, I'm talking about the United States. So that's where I live and that's where most of, of the politics that we discuss, uh, that's what concerns me the most. So the problem is, is that uh, when one party comes into power and the pendulum is always swinging, swinging one way or the other, um, we have to, you know, you have to uh, understand that the uh, powers that were created under the previously ruling party are now accessible to the new ruling party. And um, so that brings us to uh, one of my main points here is that one party usually ends up shooting themselves in the foot, doesn't understand that these powers will be used against them. An example I bring up on in the show a lot is the Patriot Act, how that was sold to us uh, by the Republicans, mainly some Democrats. It was sold to us mainly by the Republicans uh, under the um, guise of, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. And what's funny is that I've actually heard very uh, liberal, progressive 
friends and acquaintances literally say this verbatim when I've talked about uh, government surveillance or really big tech surveillance. I'm going to get into what America actually is. It's not all government run, but a lot of these tech companies and media companies hold water for the government. Uh, that's always been the case. Now it's become much more for the Democratic Party, but it used to be much more for the Republican Party. It's much more one-sided now. Um, so, and I've heard them say, because they like Google and they like, well, Twitter until maybe Elon Musk bought it, but they, the, these tech companies that are located in uh, mostly extremely progressive, if not uh, mostly liberal, but many extremely progressive cities like Northern California, uh, New York, and, and some others now, but a lot of them are clustered in these very liberal areas where it's no coincidence that the vast majority of the people working at that, these companies are going to be uh, of the liberal persuasion and likely voting for Democrats. So they trust them more, people who also vote along those lines. So I've heard them say exactly, if I'm not doing anything wrong, I have nothing to worry about. And it makes me laugh because that's what the Republicans were saying not very long ago, during you know this century, of course, post 9-11. So um, how did the Republicans shoot themselves in the foot? Well, the same powers that were used against you know, mainly brown Muslims in other countries um, have now been turned inward on mainly uh, white conservatives in this country especially since the term terrorist has been thrown around uh, and has been manipulated to mean basically uh, anyone who doesn't agree with the establishment narrative, uh, which is which is scary because um, that could be anyone depending on who's in power. So again, we want to avoid uh, these broad definitions for words like terrorist, insurrectionist, uh, enemy of the state, whatever they are, because then those people can fall under uh, permissible victims to the powers that the government has under things like the Patriot Act. So uh, that, that was an example of um, a way that Republicans shot themselves in the foot. So what are the Democrats doing? Well, the Democrats, uh, and I wanna be clear here, when I say the Democrats, this is uh, out of the executive branch. So this is not like elected officials, like the Democrats, have a supermajority in Congress, which they don't, let's say they did, and they uh, created this disinformation governance board and then would be held accountable because, oh, well, there's a midterm coming up and the voters could hold them accountable because this is some, what I'm seeing very unpopular, but also kind of flying under the radar because it's, um, you know, out of the executive branch, it's confusing people don't really care about, about this sort of thing. Um, it's it's turning into a culture war issue, but it's not really a, a on the nose culture war issue. And a lot of people don't really care about that. If it's not hitting their checkbook or it's not uh, directly affecting their culture war um, area, like abortion is right now, which is really taking up all the uh, headspace and internet space. Um, stuff like this flies under the radar, luckily, some people have caught it and it's gotten the attention that it does deserve. So what is it? 
more or less? Well, what is it? It's going to be a difficult question itself because it's what it's the government saying it is, at least the people involved with it, or what and what uh, do the opponents of it, who are also in the government, saying it is, which those are the ones mainly on the right who are calling it the Ministry of Truth, which is obviously a derogatory name. So, um, why is it so controversial? Because uh, one, it had a really poorly planned and creepy rollout. The Disinformation Governance Board, that's already a loaded term. What is disinformation? What is misinformation? I don't think they're synonymous. I believe that, and how I'm gonna use it is disinformation. The difference between the two is disinformation includes intent. So it's purposefully uh, spreading or attempting to spread uh, untrue facts and narratives and stories for uh, for a certain cause. That cause might just be um, dis you know, disrupting an election, right? Or sowing discord would be one. It doesn't even necessarily have to have a side. It could just be pitting two people against each other. Misinformation is just inaccurate. It's just wrong. It's wrong information. Um, it doesn't necessarily have the intent element to it. So what the disinformation board is claiming they are going to do, and, and when I say they, I mean, his name is uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the head of the DHS, which is the, the Department of Homeland Security. What he's saying they're going to do is basically um, monitor foreign involvement and disinformation that could harm Americans, right? So he alleges that this will not, um, they will not be spying, they will not, not be monitoring on Americans. That's comical, one, because of course they're going to say that and it's like fool me once, how, how many times are you, you going to fool us until we start to you know get smart? But the other is that uh, there's just some procedural issues with that that um, I can best described by uh, reading from, from an expert from someone else. So first, why, uh, what, what's the tell here? So this is, let me see, this is according to John Schindler. This is in the Washington Examiner. I don't know exactly who he is, but I read something else that says he's not, you know, necessarily a partisan person. I don't think um, he's a, I don't even think he's a Republican. I think he might even be a Democrat. I'm not positive on that, so don't quote me. But basically, um, one, he states that we already have this in the, um, it's called the GEC. And this already monitored the Global Engagement Center, which uh, its stated mission is to recognize, understand, expose, and counter foreign state and non-state propaganda and disinformation efforts aimed at undermining or influencing the policy, security, or stability of the United States, its allies, and its partner nations. That's exactly what the alleged disinformation Gover governance board, which I'm going to call the DGB from now on, is stating their goal is. So, so why do we need to have the same thing? Well, the government always gets bigger. We, we know that. Um, why not have more bureaucrats? Uh, so. Um, the 
So that, that could be a reason, right? Well, why not? That one, it might make Biden, it might just, might be a political move. I think it's going to backfire, but it might be a political move. Say, I'm doing something. Biden's approval ratings are in the tank. Country is hurting with inflation. Uh, there's probably going to be a recession coming very soon as uh, interest rates increase. Um, so this might just be a signal that, hey, we're trying to do something to, uh, and, and that something would be a signal to our base, which is not very animated right now, which is never a good sign for the midterms. That being said, uh, the abortion, which I'm not gonna get into the Roe versus Wade, um, which is likely going to be turned over, um, or I should say overturned, will animate that base potentially and could mess things up for the Republicans because the Republicans um, are the dog that caught the car and now don't know what to do. Uh, so that, that could be part of it, right? But what uh, Schindler says here, sorry, is that his name? Yeah, what Schindler says here also is that the tell is that this is within uh, the DHS, um, which has a clearly stated domestic mission since the GEC is already handling uh, foreign disinformation while Homeland right in the middle of the DHS title rather gives the game away. This is what Schindler says. Um, this is a huge issue that uh, George Bush created. He created DHS in you know, the wake of 9-11 and, and created to have a strong policing arm. So. I maybe I shouldn't have said that these are just bureaucrats. You know, they have policing powers. They have weapons. They're the they're the you know the government. So uh, not just the government. They are a policing arm of the government, which is you know this is where the alarm should bell, bell should start to ring. Uh, this has nothing to do with Russia, and I'm going to get into that. Um, I don't know enough about the border issue. Uh, uh, the, he says some things about the cartels. I, I don't really understand how, even if the cartels are spreading disinformation about Biden being so open to the border, um, or open to those coming to the border, that's, those are people who are outside of our country. So I don't really follow the logic there. That would be spreading disinformation within Mexico or Honduras or Nicaragua or one of one of those countries. Also, what uh, Mallorca says is that um, Jankowitz, so I should back up and say uh, the czar, the head of this, her name is, excuse me, well, I forget her first name. It's something Jankowitz. Um, and she is a character, Nina Jankowitz. She, I'm cursing her right now, not for becoming a, uh, a bureaucratic lizard, but for getting the Mary Poppins song stuck in my head because you've probably seen uh, her video, which she does a uh, super califragilistic expialidocious song to a bunch of political, usual crit lib cringe bullshit. So don't watch it if you haven't yet because it will get stuck in your head. It's very frustrating. Um, she said things like, uh, all Republicans, you know, not all, but Republicans spread disinformation, right? Which is a fine statement to make. 
anyone can say that, but not if you're going to be the head of the disinformation governance board. And then when Mayorkas is asked, is this person neutral? Because they have said this is going to be nonpartisan, which nothing is nonpartisan anymore. That is part of the government. Um, Mayorkas responds, absolutely so. Absolutely so that she's going to be neutral. When he, when he asked, the interviewer's name is Bash, asked, would you be okay if Donald Trump were president? If he created the DGB or if, is it, or if in his place he was in 2024, that he's in charge of such a thing. Um, Mayorkas evades the question. I believe that this working group that gathers together gathers for best practices, yada, yada. It, he does not answer the question because um, people like him can I even fathom uh, that Trump might be president again. It's their worst fear. So I hope that explains what it is. It's still pretty vague, which has harmed its rollout. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense procedurally. Um, and it is, uh, it's to me a very blatant, a very blatant maneuver to monitor us further because the government doesn't like when we think for ourselves, right? They want to control every aspect of your life because why not? What, why wouldn't they, right? What, what their incentives are to know what we're doing and what we're thinking and how to tax it, basically. They don't like it because the mainstream media, uh, corporate media, the cathedral media, whatever you want to call it, I kind of waver with between these terms to try and be consistent. Um, I don't like to necessarily say mainstream all the time because a lot of them aren't mainstream popular in terms of numbers. They're mainstream because that's what's on the cable package. That's what's playing in the airport. That's what's, you know, on, um, uh, well, that's really it because most places don't even play this stuff anymore. But uh, they, well, they also get preference on sites like Google and Twitter and hopefully that changes, and Facebook and uh, YouTube, they get the CNN gets preference. I don't know if people know that, but, but they get preference uh, on your, on splash screens, on banners, um, because they have the capital to do so. They pay for that. Where alternative media gets buried a lot of times. <clears throat> so, Okay, um, so that explains, I hope, what they're going to do, which I can update as, as time goes on. I, uh, I'm concerned about this because, oh, I should also note that this happened, I think, two, three days after Elon Musk bought Twitter, which, although Elon Musk only a few years ago was considered a darling of the left, understandably, uh, he wanted to create uh, carbon neutral and uh, carbon neutral technology, solar panels. He, he helped pl proliferate solar panels, create more green um, transportation and infrastructure. Uh, he likes free speech. So now he's the enemy of the Democrats, which should be a tell right there. And they don't like when people, um, you know, do some research or seek their media from other people who also are sometimes wrong. 
it's not like uh, any one person out there, whether it's Joe Rogan or Brian Stelter or or you know Jimmy Dore, whoever it is, they're not always right about everything. The problem is, is that when an alternative media personality, I don't even like that term, an alternative media person does get something wrong, they get raked through the coals, they get called a conspiracy theorist or spreading misinformation at best, disinformation at worst. But when the corporate media does it, and they do it all the time, they don't even address it. They don't own up to it, or if they do, it's a blip, it's a footnote, if it's in writing. And that's what I want to get into now. I want to get into all of the ways that, not all of the ways, because that would um, probably last until I, I died if I did that even not stop, but I want to get into many different ways how both the government and the media have uh, lied to us. Uh, at best, or at worst, lied, disinformation, or I've just been factually inaccurate, misinformation, which sometimes will happen, but again, they're allowed to get away with it. That's the whole problem with this. It's that people like Nina Jankowitz are biased. They want to decide what is right and what's wrong, does that necessarily mean that anything that doesn't comply with their establishment narrative will get removed? I sure as hell hope not. But to me, it sounds like they want to put kind of the stamp of the DGB approval on whatever it is, just like the CDC, just like the WHO. It's like you get that little banner, you get that stamp, which sometimes is wrong and go into that too but that's what they want to control if they just start taking things down or moving and removing topics and moving people i don't think that would fly um but i do think that they want to have that official narrative like this is the right thing it doesn't mean you know americans you can't go hear the wrong thing you can't hear anything else but if it's not conforming with this then it is wrong that's that's where I think they're going. So let's start with, let's do some history. So I have some notes here, and these are just the presidents. I'm going to be very clear. These are the presidents of the United States who, if anyone, should not, in, in my opinion, should not lie to you or, uh, you know, or should do a better job with uh, accuracy, right? Some misinformation it should be the president, right? So I have a bunch of different examples here from different presidents. Some I've given more detail on, others I have not. So starting with, let's say, Lyndon B. Johnson lying about the Gulf of Tonkin, where even in 1964, when these attacks happened, um, the first was an attack it sounded like a miscommunication and uh, people were harmed on both sides i believe north vietnamese and american but it's really the second attack second alleged attack that was the pretext for johnson sending uh, basically creating the draft and sending thousands hundreds of thousands of american uh, young young men some teenagers to die in a uh, 
stupid fucking war. And I'm not going to include on here. I had some instances that were more um, promises that weren't kept. I think that's tough because whether they knew they, they weren't going to keep those promises at the time, I mean, that's just fucking politics. And things do, and, and everyone, every single politician I could list would have campaign promises not kept, and sometimes it's not their fault or whatever. So I did have Johnson saying, no American boys are going to die in a war that Vietnamese boys should be fighting, something along those lines. I, I took that out. But this, where even in 1964, it was dubious at best that the second attack happened. But Johnson, if you saw the LBJ um, movie with Brian Cranston, again, I, I don't know if it was all factually accurate, but he says, you know, he wanted to attack the right from right on this term because he didn't want to be looked at as weak. So he uses this as pretext to send uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, American boys and young men to die in, in the jungle. The next would be Nixon, Watergate. I, I'm not going to go into more detail about that. He was literally, literally impeached for it. Um, Reagan lied about Iran, Iran, uh, Iran Contra. Um, Again, I don't need to go into that much either, but uh, here you have basically a president who is supposed to be hard on one of our enemies, uh, actually working with um, one of our enemies. And you can dig into that if you'd like. Uh, Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, that's all I have to say. I did not have sex with that woman. Uh, Bush, WMDs in Iraq. I, I don't need, that's probably the most egregious one on here. All of these presidents are probably war criminals. Um, I think you can make the argument for almost all of them, but Bush absolutely should be in prison. Uh, Obama, I have a couple here. So this one is this one is a little lighter, but he he's brought up the gender pay gap, uh, and he had some initiative about closing the gender pay gap, which um, time and again has been debunked. Uh, the gender pay gap does not exist in the way that it's usually portrayed. Um, I used to think this, that if a man and a woman had the same job, let's say they worked at Corporation X, uh, they were both middle management at Corporation X, that the man made $100,000 and the woman made $77,000. I think they usually say 77 cents on the dollar, right? That, that's just not true. Um, doesn't mean sometimes that won't happen. Sometimes it might be the opposite. Uh, but but the but the fact that um the statistic that gets thrown around that you know women make i think was 77 cents on the dollar i don't know if they're still saying that uh, it's just simply not true what is true is when you combine all of men's um, income and women's income based on the jobs that they take the fields they go into that's why men make more money the top 10 most common jobs for men that are overwhelmingly male the things like different sorts of engineering, um, different sorts of computer science to be a broad term, to use a broad term, uh, and, and more basically lucrative jobs where, where women go into social work, pre-K, um, different types of therapies. Uh, I think this is changing, especially in business, law, medical school. Uh, I think even most law schools now are majority women. I think mine was when I was there. Uh, some of these areas are changing, but that, that's basic. That's why it's because men go into more um, lucrative career. They like have more lucrative career path. 
but I do believe that's changing. But even the Washington Post, the very Democratic-friendly Washington Post, gave this to Pinocchios, quote-unquote, to Pinocchios. Um, another one would be when Obama said um, to Bill O'Reilly during an interview on Super Bowl Sunday in 2011, I didn't raise taxes once. PolitiFact labeled this as patently untrue uh, and gave s- several examples of taxes both on the wealthy and sin taxes on um, cigarettes and suntanning and other different things uh, that are state sin taxes and uh, taxes on people making a, a good amount of money. But uh, he was saying in the context that he never raised taxes on on anyone, which again, is just, it's just untrue. So would Obama get flagged for spreading misinformation at best? Well, under the DGB, he, he would. And that's our president. Trump, I mean, Trump lied all the time. But uh, one I have here is that uh, president, that the murder rate was uh, the highest in 45 years at the time. And at the time, this was completely untrue. Um, the murder rate now, might, or the past couple of years, might be the highest it's been in 45 years. Well, uh, when Trump said this, which I believe was before he was president, I'd have to check on that. He was obviously saying it uh, in a way, because uh, if it, if he was president, he would say the murder rate was low, which it was. Murder rate had been declining uh, since the 90s. And, and almost everywhere, when you had heights of the murder rates uh, in places like New York and LA, in New York in the 70s and 80s, LA in the 90s, New Orleans, I, I know, was murder capital in 94, Detroit. These places had all been uh, decreasing their murder rate for uh, decades, for at least a couple decades, until um, you know, the past couple of years. And then Biden. Biden, and, and I think this will, well, it won't, because I want to continue a little more with some, um, sorry, I want to continue a little more with some, uh, some issues in the past before going on to uh, the more present. Biden stated vaccinate, the vaccinated cannot spread COVID. Uh, the, he said this months after a study showed that the vaccine does not stop the spread. People, I still think, believe that the vaccine does stop the spread, which it doesn't. I'm going to get into that. And Biden, of all people, should know this. COVID, for a while, was his best area. He had good approval ratings in this area. Uh, maybe because he was lying to people, um, but uh, that's unacceptable. So would Biden now, if if a uh, you know right wing civilian or right wing podcast host or something was saying that the vaccinate uh, the vaccinated can still spread COVID, which is scientifically accurate, if you were saying that when the vaccine first rolled out, when this uh, idea that the that vaccine does stop the spread, even though it was wrong at the time, does stop the spread. If you were saying that it does not, you would at best be given a label saying, if you want the real you know, information on COVID, click here, right? That's kind of what you see now, uh, which links you to the CDC. At worst, you would be banned, which could be your livelihood. If you're on YouTube or um, Twitter or whatever it is, 
That's how people, a lot of people make their money by monetizing their videos and they have uh, subscribers or advertisers or just make money off of clicks. So, uh, and watch time. So they were literally taking people's livelihoods away, even though they were saying factually accurate statements because it didn't fit the narrative, right? It didn't fit the establishment narrative. A few more, some of these are kind of funny and then I'll get into the more present day. And then we're gonna tie this into, you know, art and why, you know, it is so important to embrace art and to use it uh, for these uh, contemporary issues. So um, cigarettes during World War II, you know, there's already a, a movement against cigarettes. It's not, I think people believe they show that advertisement of, you know, two out of three doctors recommend Marlboro Reds or something like that. And people think like, oh, everyone in the 50s and early 60s knew that cigarettes or didn't know the cigarettes were bad for you. Everyone was ignorant. It's like, that's not, that's not true. Uh, people believed it might've been minority, but people did believe the cigarettes were bad for you as early as world war one. Um, there were temperance movements against it uh, for its, for its health, not just for a vice, but for its health consequences and the government, um, one to boost morale of, American soldiers, the government uh, ramped up cigarette production to send to GIs overseas. And that not only uh, increased, obviously, the soldiers' um, addictions, but it increased just the average American's addiction. Uh, I, I, I don't have the exact number, but there was a huge, um, let me see here, American Give me a sec. American soldiers. So, so you know, a way to show you're patriotic. It means it looked cool. Um, people at home, not soldiers, people at home would start smoking uh, much more than they had before. Uh, cigarette production tripled during the war years. Um, and by capitalizing on patriotic support for American soldiers and their advertisements, public messaging, cigarette companies were able to overcome the earlier wave of anti-cigarette sentiment in the country. Um, and uh, the per capita cigarette consumption jumped from 134 per year to 310. And it would not be decades until decades later that the mass spread of nicotine addiction that the government would embrace uh, tobacco regulation. By that time, Americans had long forgotten that the government had once been one of the drug's biggest promoters. So, you know, there you have it again. You have the government working in tandem with media or advertising in a sense to get millions of people hooked on uh, you know, cancer sticks. Another example would be uh, Walter Durante. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. A reporter for the New York Times, which is for some reason to many still considered one of the um, you know bastions of uh, trustworthy media it, it's not i can tell you that a lot of people believe it but to be you know a very reputable source and this goes all the way back to the 1930s when 
Uh, he reported that there's no famine going on in the USSR, uh, that uh, he wasn't, and he wasn't the only reporter who parroted the Soviet line. He was a prestigious, he was at a prestigious paper, actually won a Pulitzer Prize for his Stalinist, uh, his coverage of Stalinist Russia. He also justified the brutality of Stalin's gulag system as a necessary measure that would ultimately benefit the Russian people. So here you have a reporter from the New York Times telling you that uh, spreading disinformation, um, that there's no famine going on, which could not, could not be a mistake. It could not be misinformation. So it has to be disinformation. It's intentional for him to say that there was no famine going on and that um, the suffering of these everyday Soviets uh, would, would eventually benefit uh, this, those same people in the end. Uh, another example, this would be the Tuskegee study on black men in the 1930s. Here we have a more direct government, um, government uh, spreading not only I mean, it's not only, it's, it's pure evil. Uh, the US Health Service funded the study that allowed uh, civilians, these were, um, I, I have black, I think it was black women too, or women were kind of collateral because they would, you know, sleep with the black men, their husbands, um, boyfriends, whatever it is. And uh, these people would suffer and die from syphilis. The treatments were available, the US Health Service these doctors knew that treatments were available and they withheld them to conduct experiments that um, were not known to, to, the, uh, to, to those involved. And I mean, what more do you need to hear? Uh, well, I have a couple more examples. Uh, and, and by the way, this was the incident that Biden confused recently with the Tuskegee Airmen um, who were black pilots during World War II, and Biden confused those two things, and he's um, the president of the United States. Uh, I can't get into this too much because it would be a several, you know, series of several multi-hour episodes. But MK Ultra, um, which was the CIA, and again, this has been release. This is, this, these aren't conspiracy theories. This is not common knowledge, but accessible knowledge um, that CIA, which bringing it back to the DGB saying we won't spy on Americans. We won't monitor That's my word. We won't monitor Americans. Well, the CIA was never supposed to operate within the United States. They're strictly supposed to be foreign. So when I say, you know, where have we heard that one before? Well, this is a perfect example. So, um, MK Ultra and CIA conducted experiments on unwitting pace, patients, which included, but were not limited to, prisoners, mental patients, prostitutes, and their johns, drug addicts, and others who were basically seen as disposable people who were part of the counterculture. This was really, uh, I believe, this was in the fifties and sixties. It was a really big part of the sixties, and. Um, the pretext for this was we're fighting the Soviets, right? They're doing this shit. They're working on mind control. Uh, we need to do the same. And to do so, we need to uh, conduct 
experiments that killed people and ruined people's lives, uh, you know, for the greater good. Of course, this was all pseudoscience. Um, and the purpose was for them to literally control our minds. They literally want to control your minds to see if they could kind of uh, initiate or ignite some sort of um, some sort of superhuman or assassin or, or something along those along those lines. Uh, it's a really interesting topic when the CIA came out with their uh, DEI or DIE, as I call it, led uh, commercials. Uh, I, I, I this is when I was calling a BLM K Ultra. It's pure evil, and these are the people who are then saying, you know, well, we need more uh, Latinx, indigenous, trans uh, officers or agents to uh, destroy uh, Guatemalan, uh, Nicaraguan uh, governments, right? That, that's So as long as you have a different, you render a different gradient, um, you know, you're, you're fit for the job to go uh, destroy other people's lives. Operation Chaos, this will be the last one from the past. Uh, these specifically targeted counterculture and anti-war figures. Examples of these were students for democratic society, feminists, Black Panthers, among others. Uh, this was not uncovered until the early 70s and the Watergate scandal. <clears throat> so uh, again, this is the government just finding any dissidents and I, this is a good one to end on here for the for the past history because um then it was a very conservative government uh, even the democrats then were by today's standards considered conservatives uh where the kind of new left this is where and the democratic uh society seems for democrats say this is where kind of the uh, which were then a lot of people called themselves communists this is where the more left-wing comes from now but Back then, even the Democrats were fairly conservative. I don't know if you, there, if you remember, there was the big protest in 1968 in Chicago. That was not a protest at any Republican event. It was the Democratic National Convention that they were protesting um, for the Democratic Party. So back then, they saw Students for Democratic Society, the um, basically been called the socialists, maybe communists, feminists. Black Panthers, that's, those were the targets, right? Well, now the target is uh, usually the uneducated white male. It doesn't always have to be. That's because the Democrats are in power. Everything I'm saying could be changed to these targets again if the Republicans get power, right? Once you create the power to monitor, to surveil, to arrest, to raid, whatever it is, well, then when the other team gets some power, they're going to use those powers. They rarely will get rid of the power uh, that, that they're afforded. Um, so then it was the Black Panthers. Now it's going to be, you know, whatever group the Democrats consider to be uh, terrorists. And that term, I don't, I don't use that term lightly. I use that term because that's a term that they're using. Everyone now is a white supremacist or terrorist or an extremist, any, any, one the, any one of those labels. And uh, that, so that's who they're growing after, right? And this is the same, this is the same concept.
Um, some more recent examples. Let's see. And now, so so basically all of that, and that maybe that felt a little off topic. That was because these are the people who want to tell you what's true, right? They've lied about wars. They've lied about scandals. They've lied about statistics, which should be fairly easy. They've lied about literally everything because their whole job is to stay in power, say or present things that uh, are enough to get them 51% of the vote, um, to get them on the good side of lobbyists. And oh, that's another thing I wanted to discuss. So another issue is we have this revolving door of uh, Congress into lobbyists uh, for corporations and, and, um, and that's why, you know, it's hard to say, well, if the government is not, uh, if they're their own separate thing, always, well, then maybe they can be more neutral, right? They're civil servants, as they say. And, you know, why, why is it so hard for them to be neutral? Well, well, this is why. It's because even though to many of us, they make a, a decent salary, uh, I think Congress now makes, uh, a House member makes 177000 a year, something like that. Uh, obviously, everyone wants, wants more, and they want to leverage their power uh, to get onto a board somewhere, right? I don't know why I, I couldn't find a data that was more recent. So a lot of these people, I won't list them all, really need to list any, but so I've, I've info from 2015, right? I would have loved to find anything more, <clears throat> more recent, but basically out of the uh, top 25 members of Congress who then went on to boards. Um, it was pretty evenly split. It was 13 Republicans, 12 Democrats. Eric Cantor, it's funny to hear that name again, I hadn't heard the name in a while, being the uh, the biggest. So um, people will say, well, why why isn't Kristen Cinema upholding the values that she ran on, that she said she was going to do? Well, bet your ass that Kristen Cinema wanted to get into Congress she probably doesn't really give a shit if she's going to win her next election. She's going to get on board at some uh, medical company, right? Some pharmaceutical company, probably. Because um, she didn't run on these things. And someone got in her ear, hey, you have this fat bag waiting for you when you get out if you don't vote on this, this, or this. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that plays out. But basically, uh, as long as members of Congress are permitted to go onto uh, boards for corporations that then they can buy stocks on, stocks for, which is a whole nother issue I won't get into. Uh, there, there is no, like, like they're all gonna be um, partisan uh, and uh, they're gonna lean into special interests because that's, who, that's who's gonna, you know, be the money maker when they, when they decide they're finished in, in Congress. Or if they want to stay in Congress, because there are a lot of dinosaurs who have remained in Congress, that's who's going to donate to their campaigns, right? So 
it, it could be a salary or it could be campaign donations, um, but it's going to be one or the other. That's why people get so upset. Well, why aren't they voting for this? Well, I'll benefit from this or many of us. Well, it's very popular. Well, no, this, this is one. Okay. So this will probably get us in trouble, but uh, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about a few uh, instances of <clears throat> misinformation and disinformation uh, during COVID and uh, why is it important now? It's not just a rant for me about Dr. Fauci or COVID, but it's because the person who's going to be heading and this honestly, it feels like a fucking show. It feels like a skit, but the person who's going to be heading the, uh, the DGB spread this disinformation and misinformation first. A lot of people bring up was Dr. Fauci's noble lie of <coughs> telling Americans not to wear masks during the early stages of the pandemic. Um, then he said to wear masks all the time. Then it's not necessary outside, but to double mask inside. Then to continue wearing masks after being vaccinated, even though there's misinformation spread saying that getting vaccinated will stop the spread. Rachel Maddow, of course, um, spread this. I'll give her credit and say misinformation, but Rachel Maddow didn't have any consequences for that. Um, she's beloved by the left. She's the only person who really makes any, who has any following over at MSNBC even though she spread misinformation. Do you think that Nina Jankowitz would label her a misinformation spreader? No, absolutely not. Because Nina Jankowitz spread this misinformation concerning the masks. There's a tweet from her that uh, she says to, uh, she's responding. She's, and then I know people like Twitter is, important it is where people make their statements um this is speech so you can and there's a record of it surprisingly she hasn't deleted any of this yet I mean, it doesn't matter that it's all been screenshotted but back on i believe march 4th of 2020 she says that facebook should stop permitting ads i'm paraphrasing here but this is the substance of what she said is it needs to stop spreading disinformation in the forms of ads for masks. Because Dr. Fauci said that masks don't help. Now, his noble lie was, well, we were long on um, PPE. Uh, yeah, PPE. And the need to go to nurses. And that, that's whether that's okay or not, that's a separate conversation. But it is disinformation. It's a, it's, a lie. He knows that that's not true. And if you lost a loved one in the early stages of COVID, that you'll never, you would never know, but could have been prevented by you or your family or them wearing a mask. Well, I don't know how, how you would take that noble lie. But she spread this, the head of the DGB right now. So um, that's, you know, that's one example. That was her first. Uh, And I, I want to be clear to kind of cover myself right now, because although I thought it was common knowledge that vaccines don't stop the spread, uh, and for the record, I, I am vaccinated. I 
was vaccinated fairly early for on my own. I, I wanted to get vaccinated. I weighed the costs and benefits. I thought it was the right thing to do. I thought the, and I still believe any mandates lock, uh, any, any mandates are horrific. Um, and I think the boosters are, I've been boosted twice and I don't know if I would have gotten my second one if my job didn't make me. I, I think it's bullshit, uh, but I did. And uh, I don't understand why. I don't understand why I have to or why I had to. That being said, uh, I want to cite the CDC. So this is from the CDC website. And this was from last week. And nowhere does it mention where, where we have why you should get vaccinated. Nowhere does it mention on the CDC website that it stops the spread or that it stops vaccinated people from getting COVID. What the vaccines do is they protect those who get the vaccine from serious illness and death. It's supposed to help for that. I believe it does. But, and that is probably enough for many people. If there's this very contagious disease, very contagious virus, I can get this vaccine. And then if I do get the virus, I will be better protected. That's enough for a lot of people to still get the vaccine. Why that should affect anyone else should not go into the equation. Whether I'm vaccinated or not should not matter why I go, whether I go into a restaurant or to a, a, a venue of any sort, because I've made the decision. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, but city governments have still, some cities have still uh, required that you show proof of a vaccine. I don't understand why. Some Someone can explain it to me, that's fine. But if it's just that it'll help you not get as sick, it does not stop the spread. It, um, and it does not stop you from getting it. I don't understand why we're still checking vaccine cards or why we're requiring it for people. Um, some other examples are, uh, we can go back to Trump. Trump and the Republicans lied about stop the steal. There's zero credible evidence that the election was stolen. Um, I don't want to go into this one anymore. I think this is stupid. I, I didn't understand it from the, the beginning. I think it's very shady when you have, uh, I, I do want to say, I when you have one side saying, go vote in person, the other side saying, vote for mail. Well, any sort of fraud is definitely going to be way easier in the mail, right? And that's what the Democrats were doing. That being said, I don't see any evidence. In fact, I believe in Arizona where they did a recount, Biden actually won by more than was originally reported. So here, again, you have the government spreading, and Trump was still the government at this time, spreading at best misinformation. I want to do a side note and say that the Four Seasons debacle with Rudy Giuliani uh, in that meeting in Philly, I believe it was Philly, is probably my favorite moment in political history. It's a, an SNL skit if SNL was actually good at their job. Like when SNL was funny, this would be an SNL skit, was them going to some uh, garden center 
called the Four Seasons instead of the luxury hotel. Uh, some other <clears throat> some other instances of misinformation, disinformation that the government and or corporate media has um, promulgated would be things like all of these racial hate crimes. Many, many, many of them, not all of them, but many of them are misreported. Uh, so mis misinformation or completely um, or, or not uh, not covered properly, which would be have intent disinformation. Some examples of these are like Nick Sandman, Jesse Smollett, Jacob Blake, Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, these were all completely different. What actually happened was completely different than what the media um, portrayed. Now, again, that's just the media. They can get things wrong. But the government famously, for instance, Kamala Harris, visited Jacob Blake, who's a piece of human garbage, who was violating a restraining order when he was arrested and shot, who had sexually assaulted the woman who's his ex-wife or girlfriend before, but right before that. And he's treated like a hero because the media and the government jumps on that for their photo ops um, without waiting to see what is true and what's not. Uh, and and these are the, again these are the people who want to tell you what actually happened when they fuck it up all the time. Nick Sandman, that was one of my biggest, and I've said this before on the show. I didn't have a red pill moment. It was gradual. I remember tweeting something very mean and snarky about that. Something and and, and Nick, if you ever hear this, I'd like to apologize. It's something along the lines of. I gave up violence or, or I, I dedicated myself to a life of pacifism years ago, but I would like to punch that kid in the face, something along those lines, something really shitty like that. And then when that came out to be completely false, what, what the corporate media portrayed, when that came out to just be verifiably false, that's when I started to turn and, and look more closely at what I was being told because at, up to that point, I trusted everything that the Washington Post reported. I trusted everything the New York Times reported. So if you're not used to, if you haven't heard the show before, I went through, like, I, I was very conservative at one point. I was, a, I voted for John McCain in 2008 in my, the first election. I was very Fox News downline conservative. But by end of law school, I was a very left-wing progressive uh, or crit lib or whatever you want to like, um, I believed all of the mainstream narrative. I thought Trump won because of racism, which is not fucking true at all. He won for so many different reasons. 2016, I thought because we're a racist country. It's like, no, that doesn't, that like barely scratches the surface of why Trump won. I thought that there was Russian collusion and that, you know, there was a P tapes and all this other shit. Um, that's not to say I swung back or I, I, well, I never vote for Trump. I won't vote for him in 2024 if he runs. But um, I, so I want to say I, it's it's not like I've had one. I, I've followed a lot of different media. I've been on a lot of different sides and heard a lot of different viewpoints. And I think where I am now is just a distillation of all of that. Uh, I, I call myself an, a, an independent extremist. I don't 
have a side, I have some very left-wing views, I have some very right-wing views, and I'm going to like to use those terms. Some socialists, some libertarians, some nationalists, whatever you want to call it. But um, that's when I started to turn, was the Nick Sandman issue, because it was so wrong. Like, this wasn't one, this wasn't like one detail they got wrong. It was so wrong and so obvious why it was wrong. It was because he's wearing a fucking MAGA hat. And he was a white, smug kid from a private school, or appearing very smug in a private school, at a private school, looking at a Native American. Not a Native American veteran, allegedly. That's how it was reported. Um, could you find a more sympathetic demographic in this country right now? Only well, maybe if he was trans, he would have been more sympathetic. But a, a war veteran, Native American, elderly man, and maybe elderly woman would only be more sympathetic. But so, um, you know that that was. I would love to hear what what your issue. I think my full turn came in a couple times. The uh, it's okay to to protest COVID. The real was the real virus is racism. That turned a lot of fucking people. We've been told to stay inside for three months. You know, don't eat, don't see Nana. Stay inside for three months because you're killing, um, you know, you're killing Nana. And then another one was the 93% mostly peaceful when there's uh, flames erupting in the background, right? And there's a lot of substance to that. But those were kind of my big turning points. Some others. Um, so how about this? So let's take the DGB at their word and say that they are going to, um, they are going to monitor foreign disinformation. What about the ghost of Kiev? Uh, this was verifiably fake. I get it. Uh, propaganda is important during time war. I can't imagine what the Ukrainians are going through. Putin is an evil bastard. I don't think it needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. He's an evil fucking bastard. I, I'm not going to get into the geopolitics of it, but if we're talking about the media, we're talking about the uh, the facts that are coming into our country, this was verifiably fake. It was disinformation. It was useful disinformation, even understandable disinformation, but disinformation nonetheless. Is this okay? Like, so is this going to be okay under the DGB? Are we going to start labeling, well, are they our ally? Well, they're our ally right now. So is the Mujahideen was our ally. Uh, so was Saddam Hussein was our ally. Uh, in the uh, Iran-Iraq war. Um, you know what? So we're going to, uh, we're going to let that slide. And then, and the, but we're going to label Russians, you know, whatever they say is disinformation or not. No, that, that, that's why you can't have these monitors as part of the government. If you want to have monitors on the air, I think that's fine. If it's just used for informational purposes. But then those monitors get checked. Snopes has been shown to be very partisan. PolitiFact seems to be a little better. Snopes has, you know, they'll twist and manipulate anything to, to go one way, you know. Um, <clears throat> so another example would be Snake Island. This is, you know, the, the small island in the Black Sea and the Ukrainians say, Russian worship, go fuck yourself. And then they get bombed and die as martyrs. That was the narrative. What actually happened was they did say, go fuck yourself, but they surrendered as understandably so. 
um, they were released. There was ex prisoner exchanges, whatever it was. But again, that was at best misinformation because it was it was a good story. Like it makes sense. I get why the Ukrainians would want to spread that. There's a smaller country facing, you know, being invaded, and for them to say "go fuck yourself" and die as martyrs, that's really powerful for a country that's being invaded. But it's still like so. It's but still not true. Like it's still untrue. So here's the worst one. This to me is so fucking unacceptable. And it, it gets me. <clears throat> so the drone strike in Kabul in August of last year, you know, we were in a war that should have been a few months long. Joe, I know I'm not going to go into geopolitics of it. It should have lasted a few months. We had bin Laden pinned down in Afghanistan, and we let him get into Pakistan and prolong the war for another 10 years. That, or excuse me, prolong his existence another 10 years. And we were there another 10 years after that. We were attacked when we left um, by a supposed ISIS K, whatever that is, Kandahar. Um, so understandably, we or I don't know, we were necessarily attacked. Uh, 183 civilians died. I think the vast majority of those were uh, Afghanis. But um, we sought retribution, so we drone striked uh, who we thought was a terrorist. The target was, in fact, a father who was working, and you can't make this shit up, for a U.S. aid company, like, organization. I think he was delivering water. I mean, can you get more fucking, like, who's... I believe delivering water and his children are running out into the street to greet him. So this is a, this is an urban setting and we fucking blow them to smithereens. 10 people died, seven of them children, none of them terrorists. I mean, you wonder why they fucking hate us. Like you wonder, Nothing's an excuse for any Americans or Westerners to die, but you wonder why they fucking hate us. Because no one suffered any consequences for that. The government covered it up for as long as they could. I know I raked the, the New York Times through the coals earlier. They actually did some good reporting. They are capable of good. That's not what I'm saying. Just a lot of it is, is culture war garbage because that's what gets clicks. They actually did some real reporting conveniently after Biden's approval had started to sink. But, you know, that's a side note. And found that, um, that, you know, this was a mistake. No one suffered any consequences. And seven children died. So these are the P and, and, and the DGB comes out of the executive branch. Like these, they will drone strike your family. Just wait till it comes here. Something will happen and it will be permitted here. I'm telling you. It sounds, I know it sounds conspiratorial, but it's only a matter of time. We're labeling too many people as terrorists and extremists. It's going to happen here. There's going to be a drone strike on U.S. soil. And that's going to be normalized. So, why and and 
sorry, the last one gets to me a lot. So um, the uh, the woman Jankowitz behind this, I, the other things, and I mentioned that she promoted uh, the, the lies about the mask, the, the disinformation of the mask. She's also, um, she's also promoted the spread the disinformation about Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden's laptop with which both the New York Times and the Washington Post are bringing them up because they're very democratic friendly uh, organizations have verified as true and the Steele dossier, which has been, um, as uh, Jankowitz has spread this also, which consumed liberal media for years was completely false, had no substance to it. Um, and she also spread that. So those are three big, so she spread the masks, steel dossier, and the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up. This is a person who's being paid through U.S. tax, civilian tax dollars, um, citizen tax dollars to tell you what is true and what is false. That is misinformation with disinformation and supposed nonpartisan um, manner. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they think we're that stupid or if we don't pay attention. Uh, I do want to note that maybe as I say this, maybe she's not going to have her job because allegedly um, Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, again, head of the DHS or the secretary, uh, apparently he, he stated in front of Congress when asked by Senator Kennedy of Louisiana, uh, if he knew about her TikToks, uh, spreading disinformation and about these tweets, he said he did not, he did not know. He did not know that she spread the steel dossier, misinformation, Hunter Biden laptop, disinformation. So maybe she won't have a job by the time this podcast, um, airs hopefully this whole thing gets next by the time this podcast airs but don't think they won't that's best case scenario they're going to try it again and maybe next time it's the republicans i want to i'm very hard on the democrats right now because they're the ones in power they're the ones who control the vast majority of media and tech and they're the ones in power uh they'll probably be changed by november at least in, in congress but uh they have congress they have the executive and they have most of the channels of, of information, at least the uh, establishment ways. They're, they're losing power, but still uh, the the establishment media. But they're the ones in power. If they're and if the Republicans try and pull this too, um, I would be saying the same thing. I'd be just as critical if they're trying to tell us what to think instead of letting us form out our thoughts and not always agree. And as long as we're not threatening each other or doxing each other, that's okay. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to say sometimes what is true and what is false. That like, that's better than having the government tell you, which is going to tell you one thing that we're at war with East Asia. And then when the Republicans or when the other party gets in power, no, we've always been at war with East Asia. We've always been at war with Eurasia, East Asia is our allies. So to bring it back to art 
if you haven't read ninth, now's the time to read 1984. I know people throw around Orwellian all the time. A lot of them don't. I don't want to sound smug. So some people don't use it correctly. They think any sort of change to a word or what a word means is Orwellian. No, that's not. Words change over time. It's Is it being forced? <clears throat> is it being changed in the sense of like, well, now if you're using this word, you're a bigot, where when, if you're using three years ago, you weren't. Like, that's not okay, but that's not Orwellian. Orwellian is telling you what to think and manipulating language, changing history uh, in a way that uh, others people, and if you don't conform, like if you don't conform, then you're othered. And and, and that's Orwellian in in the language sense. Um, It's a complete control of of what to say and what to think. Any, Any good professor, any good teacher is supposed to teach you how to think, not what to think. Uh, and the government is simply trying to do too much here. I hope it's just a, a desperate attempt by this uh, presidency to kind of virtue signal in a way. But if we just let this shit go, if people don't fight back against it, then they're gonna they're gonna go through with it. So basically, read 1984. If you're gonna read 1984. You should also read. Um, when you're done, read um, Brave New World. A lot of times those are paired together. And I've wavered. I used to think that we were headed much more towards a Brave New World dystopian future. Uh, in some ways, I think we are. In other ways, I, unfortunately, I think we're headed more towards a 1984 uh, world. Again, these are extremes. These are, that, that's the point of dystopian novels, is to take an issue, a problem, and pull it stretch it out to its most extreme and then show what the world would be like or what your country or city or town would be like in that uh, time. And, um, but uh, I, I, I do think that we're headed towards a mixture of both of those. And if you want to throw one more into the pot, Fahrenheit 451 uh, in terms of censorship, read those three. That's your homework, uh, everyone. You won't be disappointed. There's a reason that they're so popular. They're referenced so often is because they they constantly come. A lot of these were written when certain parties were in power, and they're still important today. Fahrenheit 451, when that was much more of a critique of the right wing, but now it's the left wing that wants to censor and silence and and burn books, mostly, not always, but mostly, and mass. Um. So that's why it's it's the value. You want to keep you want to keep the value that uh, of free speech and a freedom of thought, and the ability to debate and disagree, and even walk away from those debates. And even not debates. There aren't that many debates anymore. Usually they're on college campuses, but a lot of it's just like stuff on the internet. I avoid a lot of that because a lot of it doesn't go anywhere. But the ability to say those things and even walk away and say. Well, I don't agree with any of that, but neither of us are being silenced. She was saying one thing, I was saying the other. Neither of us even moved an iota towards the other's opinion, but we're both still on the platform. We're not labeled terrorists. We're not labeled as disinformers, misinformers, and that's it. So 
that's our first episode of um, the Reckless Musecast solo. Joe, I hope you're doing okay up there, buddy. I miss you. Uh, and that'll be it. Stay reckless, everyone. And fight the crits. <laughs>